Right, we shut down myself by able to see them. Take a break, pass here. I think most of you knew we went to Prague to go visit our grandson and our daughter and our, and our son-in-law. Um, and it was a real significant time in our life. It was a time where, you know, we, we just come to COVID. I believe I'm here remembering day 668 right now of COVID, you know. And, uh, and just thinking about this this week and just preparing for the sermon, I thought to myself, how many of us can actually fathom what has happened over the last almost two years? I mean, we're a couple of days away from two years of living with the pandemic, having nothing nowhere came to an end, in a sense. And I think many of us have journeyed a hard time, and many of us have journeyed a, a difficult time, and many of us have lost loved ones over the last two years. Many of us don't understand why we have to go through what we go through, and marriages have taken strain, and finances have taken strain, and one person sitting in this room could have anticipated what was about to happen in 2020. Not one person. And not one person, if I can tell you at the end of 2019 that this is what we're going to face for the next two years, not many of you would have believed that you could make it. Not many of you would believe that you survived simply because of the grace of God upon your life. And it's been a challenging time for every one of us. It's been a time, you know, where, like I said, the church has been closed and we were. I think probably about seven or eight months we were 50 people in this church. We weren't allowed any more people in the church. There was a time when everything that we knew, the ministries that we knew, and the groups that we knew almost just closed down. You know, the whole world had almost just come to a standstill. And we still see the effects of it. I drove my daughter down to Summer Strand on, on Wednesday and on Monday night. And at 8 o'clock at night there was no one on the road. It's like somewhere on the line, we still haven't come out of this notion that we're going to be okay. We still haven't come out of this notion that, that things are turning. That things are changing. And, and as we spend time in Prague, the first, I think the first five days we just slept, that's all we did. Just to catch up. But I remember God scared so to speak to me and say to me, Kurt, you know, this is what we're looking at for 2022. This is what we're looking at in the year going ahead. This is what we're looking at for the future. And I remember God saying to me, and we looking at Shabdal, and God simply saying to me this quick words, He said, Kurt, do you realize that after 21 years, the 22 years, you're going to have to replant your children over again? And I carried that for a bit. I carried it and I thought, how is it possible that I, I need to start church all over again? He said, am I getting another venue? You know, if I'm leaving this church, where are we going? And God simply said to me that there's been a time of sifting in Oasis. There's been a time where those that have wanted to leave have left and those that have come in have come in. There's been a time where we didn't see what God is doing as usual, but He was doing it. And I think for many of us in our lives, in the last week, a year or two, we only realize now how gracious God had been to us over the last two years. How somewhere along the line we have survived, somewhere along the line we have made it. And I really believe as I was praying into this for the last two months about this, this uh, um, Vision Sunday, I really believe with all my heart that God simply said this, that it's going to be a scene of restoration. And when you speak about a scene of restoration, that term simply means to restore back to its original position. It's the same word that is used for the word revival. Is to bring up, uh, grow, and regrow from the roots up. 
And I thought, wow, well, this is this is this is heavy. Because in the same breath, God just said, well, He just closed down everything that you do have. And that took a while because they said, God, you know, we've lived, we've worked 22 years for what we do have. And now you're saying we simply need to close it down. Just fall an end to it. And I started to realize something that, that it doesn't matter how many new plants we plant in a pot. If we don't change the soil, there's not going to be a better outcome. And I started to realize something in my life that when God says close something, the only reason He says close it because He has a purpose and He has a plan and He has a reason why it needs to be done. And we looked around and we just saw everything crumble. Even the sun is going down to like, I think it was five or six kids at one stage. Now we have 50 people, our finances dropped by. We lost 2.2 million in the last two years just in our finances. And everything just crumbled. What I thought it was crumbling. And I know many of you felt like that as well. It felt like everything was just falling apart. And yet I didn't understand that only this year I started to realize that things weren't falling apart but they were starting to fall into place. That slowly but surely God was doing something significant in the season that you and I are journeying. Something significant in our walk with Him. Something significant in the way we speak to each other, the way we treat each other. And the most devastating part about this pandemic hasn't been the people that we've lost. And please, hear me here. It, it hasn't been about the jobs that we lost. The sadder part, the saddest part about this pandemic over the last two years is I've seen families disintegrate. I've seen churches disintegrate. And not that they were fighting with each other, but every man went to his own foxhole, and every man went to his cave, and all of a sudden the family gathering stopped, and all of a sudden the bride stopped, and all of a sudden one-on-one -on -one stopped, and all of a sudden we weren't having supper with each other, and we weren't having coffee together, and we weren't fellowshipping together. And you can say what you want to, but when we speak about the house of God, we speak about the family of God. And as much as the world has been affected, hear me up, please, as much as the world has been affected, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that Satan's one of his greatest assignments during this COVID year has been to close down the church. We have still got restrictions on us. We're two years in We still have restrictions on us. We're still walking around with masks outside. And I don't understand because the virus doesn't thrive outside in the air. And I'm not going to be political with you right now. But somewhere along the line, it's almost like a season where we've been so brainwashed into believing certain stuff that we don't know the difference between what is true and what is not true. Amen. We've come to a season in our lives where we stop thinking for ourselves. And all of a sudden we just got sheep just following the herd. Everyone terrified of what you everyone terrified to speak out. Everyone terrified because what was hanging over us was a spirit of fear. There was a fear of failure, there was a fear of death, there was a fear of lack of finances, there was a fear of our families falling apart, there was a fear of our loved ones dying. And all of a sudden the very presence of God is getting replaced by the spirit of fear of our nation. And not just over a nation, but the spirit of fear gripped the entire world. And if you and I step back and see what absolute junk has been fed to us over the last two years, I think most of us be embarrassed for what we believe. Hey, we were taking horse tranquilizers, we were taking dewormers, 
You know, we were yeah, we lost. We did it all. We did it all. You know, we need tablets. We didn't even know what they're for. Goats die from the stuff we drink here. I mean, most of the day, COVID like 75 pounds. Every Monday morning, Jadavis, I woke up with COVID just about, you know? That's how it felt. That's how the world felt. And more and more that all this crazy was happening, you and I and the church didn't realize that Satan was just taking us on the slow walk, further and further away from the presence of God, further and further into relying on organizations and into relying on political parties and relying on what was being said out there. And we became so desperate, desperate that we started to believe every lie that was out there. And all of a sudden we lost the ability. We lost the ability between truth and a lie. We lost the ability to believe that if we come to church, we're going to die from COVID. And so many of us sit in our beds and watch TV and there's nothing all there. Many of us stopped reading the Word of God. And yet we had more time than we've ever had in our lives given to the Word of God. Most of us stopped praying. And again, yet we have more time than ever to spend time in prayer. We have all this time available to us. We have time to spend with the family. We have time to spend with loved ones. We have time to restore relationship with each other. And somehow we were more interested in pineapple beer than we were in friendship. You know? We were more interested in making ciders out of apples and pears than we were about coming to church. And we lost because it's been a crazy season, but we got ourselves involved in that nonsense. All of us, all of you making fun of the are sexual Facebook. It was crazy. Alcohol was shut down for months. Cigarettes were shut down for months. And in a normal society, how does that happen? In a normal society, you have to have a special letter to go to a chemist. The doctors don't even meet you in the changing in the, in the, in the visiting room anymore, they now meet you in the car park. <laughs> like you've got leprosy. And we laugh, but it's the truth. This we went through the stuff, guys. We went through the stuff. I've got people running with masks on. I'm thinking you're gonna die any minute, you're gonna die. There's a short little option there in any minute with you. I see people riding past over their masks on. It's only them in the park. And I'm like, how did this all happen? How did we become so crazy? Because why? We accept the lie. We accept the lie. And this is the problem with church. This is the problem with who we are. This is the problem with where we're going. Is that so many of us are still believing the lie of the enemy. And Satan took full advantage of the season. He took full advantage of the season to make you despondent, to make you bitter, to make you angry. He took full advantage of the season to separate you from the family, to separate you from church, to separate you from love, to separate you from the house of God. But you know, in 1 Peter 5 10, Peter writes the statement. And I love the statement, the statement that I just want to just climb into and I'm going to share a little bit of the vision with you guys for this year in part. And over the next few weeks I'm going to be sharing more and more about what the vision entails. 
But First Peter verse five to ten says a simple thing, and some of my, one of myself, my friends, are laughing about this this week because when you go through the worst time of your life, the scripture always pops up, you know. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That after a little bit of suffering, after a little bit of trial, after a little bit of hardship, what does it mean? The grace of God. Listen to me. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own ability. Is that God has not forgotten about you and He has not forgotten about me. That His mind towards you and I have not changed during the pandemic. That His love for us has not changed. And the Word of God says, and the grace, and the good grace of God, which has called us to eternal glory God, will Himself, listen to this, restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. And William said it this morning, you know, the whole thing of confirming us. And as we sat this week and, and just really slowed down some stuff about what we believe God wants to do in 2022, I've got to say this to you, alright, and I really I pray that this is my wish. And I know that God has done this, but I believe that God has pushed the reset button on all your lives. That every one of you have got a reset button that God is about to push. You know, there's a whole saying, I've said this a million times. They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We have been doing church like we have like this for thousands of years. We have been doing church in this church in the same way for the last 21 and almost 22 years. And somewhere along the line, we think that if we can just continue to do the same things over and over again, and yet God has to have a different result for you and I. We do the same thing over in our finances. We do the same thing over in our relationship, in our marriages. And we always talk about why. And God says that you do the same thing over and over and over again. And somewhere along the line, you're expecting a different outcome. And that's not the way a reset button works. The reset button says this, that I'm going to clear everything that you had before you push the button and I'm going to give you a chance to rebuild in the future. That when you take a phone and you just put it back, you factory settings. You know what happens? You lose everything that you stored on it. And it goes back to its original thing. And as a church, I really believe this is what we need to do. And this excites me because I believe that this is a massive opportunity for you and I to do things better and to do things right. I, I'm honest with you, I, I journeyed some stuff during this COVID. I questioned my ministry, I questioned my calling, I questioned my relationship with God at times, I questioned what was happening around us and why God hasn't come through for us and why God hasn't ended the pandemic. Well, all of a sudden I realized the pandemic hasn't been ended yet because the church hasn't got it yet. You see, the Word of God says something very clear. And it's this, that He says He's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. He's coming for a bride, listen to me, He's coming for a bride without spot or blemish. Now you cannot tell me that we can preach the end time teachings right now and Christ is returned. Because let me tell you something, the church is nowhere near without spot and blemish. We're not in that place where God is like, I'm so happy, let's call them up. 
Because I believe there's still so much we need to do. The Word of God says that He will not return until this Gospel of Jesus Christ is preached to the ends of the earth. That means that every tongue, and every nation, and every building, and every dog, and every creature is going to hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ before He returns. And haven't we just slumbered for the last couple of years? Haven't we just slumbered in the area of our evangelism? Haven't we just slumbered in our church attendance? Haven't we just slumbered in our giving? Haven't we just slumbered just in what it is that God wants for us? Because somewhere along the last five years, that most of us are just easy, taking it easy, just cruising into the things of God, cruising what God wants to do in our lives. And somewhere along the line, we have to get back to the basics of church. And I've said this so many times, Acts 2.42. It says, it is a simple thing. It says the disciples fellowship together. They broke bread together. They read the apostles' doctrine together. And they prayed together. That was the establishment of the early church. That is what it was founded on. It was founded on fellowship. It was founded on the word of God. It was founded on prayer. It was founded on nobody needed or lacked anything. But why? Because they gave freely to each other. And that for me is the basic model of any church. I've got to ask myself, is there fellowship here? Or are we just attending? Then are we reading and studying the Word of God or are we just reading our daily devotion? Then are we a church that's committed to a time of prayer, a time of fasting, a time when we want to seek God with all of our heart? Or we just come to say a few big words and simply because we need God to help us. You know that old thing, a God in need is a God indeed. What about the next generation? We've had this string of COVID babies. We must have about 87 in the church now. <laughs> Between the age of one and one and a half. I don't know what these babies are up to. But there's a whole generation that has been born in this pandemic. There's a whole generation of people that have come to Christ in this pandemic. And because of fear or because of whatever, but you know what? That word works all things for the good of those who love to believe in it. And if you're in this house today, you've got to understand that you're here because God desires you to be in the house today. Because there's a function and there's a purpose and there's a plan. You see, as a member, I will read 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21. And I'm going to read it to you quickly. Because it's such an amazing thing and it's, it's something that you're going to hear me preach a lot over the next few days. Or the next few weeks. But it's uh, 1 Kings 19. Let me just get there quickly. And we all know the story. Or most of us should know the story. But it's the story of Elijah and Elisha. As the story of, of where Elisha comes and, and we've got to understand that God is in the season and God says to Elisha, I'm about to take you up. And Elisha was the prophet, the main prophet of Israel at the time. He was the only appointed prophet that was there and one other minor prophet that they mentioned. But God speaks to Elijah and He says to him, listen here, your season is coming to an end. He says, as your season is coming to an end, why am I going to appoint a new king? And I need you to anoint him. His name is going to be Jehu. But then all this, there's a new prophet that will take your place. And so verse 21, Elijah starts to speak. And he says, And Elijah came to the people and said, How long 
sorry, not Amandra 1, sorry. The last week's sermon. Alright, verse 19, it says this, in verse, chapter 19, verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Seraphat, who was plowing with twelve oxen of uh, yoke oxen before him. And he was and, and he was there with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. He threw his calling, he threw his purpose, he threw what it is that God had given him onto this young man. And the word says that Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elisha and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again. For what I have done to you, what have I done to you? <coughs> and he carries on and said to him. And Elijah turned back from him, took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, used the oxen in equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And he arose and he followed Elijah and became his servant. There's not something special in happening here. One, that there's a father-son relationship that is taking place. That for years Elisha walked, walked as a son to Elijah. But then it's a season where as fathers we need to hand over the, the mantle to the next generation. And I think this is why at times we become very antiquated when it comes to church life. You know, it's that we are just leading people and most of the guys are preaching are 70, 80 years old and they're not really relevant to the, to the generation that they have right now. And Elijah, Elijah knew this. But there was an amazing part that took place here. And it was this, that the word says that Elijah said to Elijah, Can I return? And he went back and he burnt the oxen. And he burnt the, the, the plows that he was plowing with. And he fed the people and he left. And often I believe that we need to have that kind of mentality when we come to the things of God. You see, what Elijah did was this. That he made sure that there was no way that he would return to what he was doing before. He burnt any chance that there would be on him giving up on the gospel and going back his old way. He destroyed it completely. Jesus called the disciples and they're fishing. And the Matthew, the word says that they catch the biggest hole that they've ever caught. And Jesus looks at these men that have probably thousands and thousands of rags in today's money. And he just looked at them and he says, follow me. And I will make you fishes of men. The word says they immediately left their tackle and followed Jesus. You see, the problem with Christianity today is that we want to mix too much of the old with the new. We've always got a way out. We always think, well, if things go really bad in church, I can go by Wellington again. If things go really bad in church, I can give more medication. And we've always got an out. We've always got an out. But I believe that in 2022, as God is going to start to restore us, it's a season where you and I need to burn the oxen and the plow. It's a season where we say, God, we are moving forward in your kingdom. We are moving forward in what it has for me and the purpose and the plan. And we need to get rid of the junk in the trunk. We need to get rid of the unforgiveness that we carry in our hearts. We need to get rid of the bitterness. We need to get rid of the what ifs. We need to get rid of what people think about me or my past. You see, we've got to come to a place where we draw a line in the sand. And we step over and say, you know, what happened yesterday stays in yesterday. But what the future holds is in God's hands. Amen. If we want to truly allow God to restore us, really belong or really call God into our situation, you and I need to be serious. 
Because it's not a problem means if there's just too many lukewarmness, or there's too much lukewarmness in God's church right now. We run away so easy from conflict. We run away from what the purpose and the plan is. But most of us are more shy to evangelize and tell someone about Jesus because it's just not acceptable in society today. Now what do we do? What do we do as members? What do we do in the year coming forward? One, that we're going to ask ourselves a few questions and one, do I belong? And you need to pray about this. Because you're going to ask God, is this what God desires you to be? Is this the house that God is calling you to serve in? Is this the house where you trust in God to be fed and grow and be mentored and be discipled? Because if this is not the house, remember this, the word of God says, a double-minded man is the food in all his ways. Is this the house that God wants? Do you belong here? You can ask yourself the question, are you committed to the vision of this church? Are you committed to the vision of this church? If you don't know the vision of the church is, I will stay with you. But you need to ask yourself. You've got to understand something that this vision will cost you your time and it will cost you your finances. Listen to me. You see, what you've got around us right now didn't fall out of the sky. It wasn't given to us by First National Bank. Everything we have around us right now is what belongs to you. Because you made it possible that people can sit on those chairs today. You made it possible that the electricity is still on some sort of way. <laughs> you made it possible that we have a bowling committee. You made it possible. And as the old saying is, put your money where your mouth is. You know, if you believe that this is where God has called you to be, then this is the place where God has called you to be. You need to be committed in all areas of your life. And when we commit to something, something has to change in your life and in my life. And if we cannot get the basics right, if we cannot get the basics of prayer and the Word of God and fellowship in one to another, if we cannot get the basics right of what God is saying to us in the season, then are we committed? Are we doing belonging? Is this the place that God desires for us? Are we prepared to burn the oxen and the cattle and the oxen and the plows and really commit wholeheartedly to what God desires in your life. You see, there's a few things that I'm trusting God for this year. A few things, and there's one thing that is seriously heavy on my heart, and it's this, that we need discipleship and mentorship in the church again. Amen. Now listen to me. The only reason that there's not mentorship and discipleship happening in the church is because everyone's waiting for me to do it. Hear me? I'm not horrible, but I want to tell you there are men sitting here, and I want to say to you men, the Jack generation needs you desperately. We are, we are in a fatherless generation. We are in a generation where fathers are not even working in the country, they are working outside to make money. We are in a generation where our kids don't know dad, all they know is mom. The first time divorce rates in Africa has climbed to 70% and 50% in second marriages. It's not getting easy out there, but also don't hear our voice out there. And our voice is the thing that will make a difference in society. What's going to make a good son is when I find a good father. 
And you might say to me, oh, but good is not really my thing. Let me tell you something. If you mentor one young man, you can change the world. If you can mentor one young woman, you can change the world. But the problem is we're worried about ourselves. And when you're worried about yourself, you know what happens? Is you plug the tap. Instead of allowing the things of God to flow through you and out of you into the lives of people around you. We have to be a place where we know what good leaders look like. And this year we have to find them from the grassroots up. What do good leaders look like? What is the character of good leaders? What are we looking for? Have we got effective life groups? And we ask that. And I believe with all my heart that going into the next few years is that life groups have become a quintessential part of church life. Let me tell you something. There's one thing to sit in a church on a Sunday. But not one of you even know the people that sit around you. And you know what that means? That simply means this. That we that we that we friends and not family. And family is everything. There's an advert on TV. On a, I won't say what bank it is. But the guy says an incredible thing. And he says this, have you ever considered the difference between involvement and commitment? He says, being involved is great, but nothing depends on it. Being committed means I'm all in. And there's a big difference between involved and being committed in church life. There's a big difference in our lives about God. Are we seeking the vision? Are we going forward in what it is that you have for us? Are we intentional about our meetings? How many of you were intentional about the service today? How many of you woke up this morning and said, God, I desire to meet with you this morning. I desire to feel your presence in this house. I feel, Father, I desire to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You see the words of you, two or three of you, something on earth that is done. I just needed two or three of you to agree that, God, we want to be intentional about what He said you in the service. We don't want to just have a normal service, because otherwise this is a gathering. And we might just hand out shooters right now. <laughs> because if we're not changing when we're sitting under the presence of God, if our hearts are not crying out when we hear the word of God spoken, the word of God says that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our heart. He says the word is like a two-edged sword, cutting between bone and marrow. And we're going to ask ourselves, did we come in this morning to see bone and marrow separated? Did we come into this place to see signs, wonders and miracles? Did we come into this place this morning to see the lame walk and the blind see the dead here? Or did we just come because it's a great place to be? We're going to ask ourselves these questions. We're going to ask ourselves, is there personal growth in my life? Where do I stand with God right now? Where do I stand in my relationship with prayer? Where do I stand in relationship with being committed to this church? Being committed to fellowship? Every one of us, that when we, we have our, our bride on the farm, we should all be there. You know why? Because I can guarantee every time you come, you're going to meet a new friend. You're going to meet a new person. You're going to get to know each other. You see, there's one thing about attending church. There's another thing about being family. Family take care of each other. Family are there for each other. Family knows when the one is hurting and family knows when the one is enjoying. Family knows when marriage is falling apart. Family knows 
when somebody hasn't got food in their cupboards. Why? Because when families spend time together, they know each other's hearts. I trust in God for the restoration, not just of you, but I trust in God for the restoration of His church. I want to pray that we'll come out stronger than we ever have. You know, I, I'm getting to admit something to you quickly in terms of He said, yesterday I'm preparing this message. And I almost had, well I didn't almost, I did. I had one of those moments where I said to God a very simple thing. And I said to God, you want me to share this vision and you want me to, to share what is going on. But Lord, often our people aren't back in church yet. And God said to me, what if they're not coming back? And I sat there for a minute, and that's when he said to me, give me a time tomorrow morning. Ask your visitors to speak up the hand. Because I'm so focused on those that don't want to be here, that I forgot about those that made a special effort to be here every Sunday. To all our visitors that come every week, to those that have become family, to those we don't even know off your name, because every week there's 10, 15 new people in this church. For that, I apologize. We will get to know you. But welcome to the family. Welcome to Restoration 2022. And I'm going to say this to you, that at the end of this year, we are going to have a massive party. I'm feeling more Bradley, but it's not saving right now. Because at the end of this year, as a family, we will celebrate 2022 and the goodness of God, not just in our lives, but in the lives of this church. I don't Can we stand? And I don't want to ask you just to, just to for a minute, just to, just to be still. Because every one of us, there's something that we trust in God to restore in our lives. It could be our marriage, it could be our work situation, it could be our finances. Do you want to say something? Yes. This, this lady never speaks, so I better give her a chance. <laughs> I want you all to close your eyes.
You know, I don't know what your goal of trade is. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you're hanging on to the oxen and the plow. And there could be some reason, maybe it's security there. Maybe you don't want to put yourself out in public. Maybe you don't like criticism. Maybe, you know, you don't want to change the way that you live. Maybe there's something you don't want to give up. Let me tell you something. You've got far more to gain in the kingdom of God than what you've got to lose in the world. And don't ever believe the lie that you will not cope with certain stuff. Never believe the lie that society formed you by. Never be labeled by what the world around you says about you. Because there's a man by the name of Jesus that thought that you were so perfect that he died in Calvary for you. He saw you without spot. He saw you without blemish. He saw you without failure. He saw you without sin. And he looked at you and he loved you. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus was all in. I think he was all in. And I think he was all in for you and he was all in for me. Jesus wasn't involved in the process. He was committed to the process. And I know we can have a great year. And we're going to look at evangelism this year and outreach this year. We're going to do a lot of training this year. Consider it a great R for you this year. And we still allow God to grow us. And I want to say this to you this morning. That if you say, Father, you know something for too long, I keep returning to the oxen and the ground. And it's time for me, Father, to convert my heart to you. And it's time when the Spirit would like now for me to burn the oxen and the ground. Because there's no way of coming back. You see, the most amazing thing about that whole story was that the minute, you read a bit further, the minute that Elijah was raptured, Elijah picked up that mantle and started to operate immediately. And so many of us went five, six, seven years of training. So many of us went degrees and doctors and bachelors. But let me tell you something, that stuff means nothing if you do not pick up the mantle of God, the anointing of God upon your life, and you start to act in it. The word says that Elijah, Elijah picked up Elijah's mantle, turned around and hit the sea, and that sea parted, and he walked through a dry land. Let me tell you something. Are you ready to burn the oxen? But there's one more thing. You need to pick up the mantle of God upon your life. And when you pick up that mantle of God upon your life, you turn around and you strike that thing that has been in front of you for so long. And I can tell you now that God will part it and God will separate it and God will allow you to walk through unscathed on dry land. But maybe you say, Father, I haven't burned the oxen. If you go this morning, and you say, Lord, I just want to, you know, I want to, that's where I want to be. I want to, I want to burn the oxen. I want to be all out. I just want you to put up your hand. It's not a good sinner's prayer. I just want you to say, okay, I'm young. I'm young. And thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray this morning for a fresh anointing upon this church. Yesterday, and I forgot about this, but 
guest today. While I was preparing this message, and just in this very few minutes, that 22 years ago when we planted this church, the only picture that God had given me, and I, I, I will show you probably next week, I saw my invitation in my drawer. But the only picture that God had given me for this church was what was a jug pouring out. And yesterday God reminded me, He said, Miko, do you remember 22, 23 years ago? I told you that this church would be a jug that would fill many cups. And it will be by the power of my spirit that you will start to pour out anointing upon nations. And yesterday I had to remind myself that I had forgotten about that prophecy 22 years. But I want to tell you something. I saw you fill that jug yesterday. I saw you fill that jug yesterday. And I want to tell you this church and you, God is about to pour out something fresh upon you. There's a fresh anointing. There's a fresh mantle that is coming upon you. There's a fresh season that is coming in your life. There's death that is going to happen to the things that you no longer desire in your life. And if you hear this morning, and maybe you need to give your life right with God, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you say, good, I've had enough of this old way of life. I've had enough of this backsliding. I've had enough of going backwards all the time. But I don't know how to burn oxen. I want us to tell you, we want to pray with you this morning. We want to trust God with you this morning. We want to trust God for miracles this morning. And give us going to close this song. And I just ask that you just give us two minutes. But if there's anybody that wants to come to the front of the prayer, anybody.